Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Hey everyone, before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive a personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. Blue Lion. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods? Fickle butt. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at UndercoverGreg. Joined, as always, on another college basketball edition of Full Slate by my main man, Bill Christie. You know him on gambling Twitter as Lucha Larry. Find his pick at, uh, at Larry's Locks 2, excuse me. I hope you all had a Merry Christmas and Santa was good to everybody as we... Do our final college basketball pod for 2020. We're really looking forward to kissing this year goodbye. Bill, how you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, let's get rid of this year. We'll move on to 2021. I've never been that type of person that said, like, oh, new right. beginnings, new year. Right. I've never like, been that way. I don't want to like, wish time away, right? <laughs> yeah, but this year, you know what? And the, yeah, the thing is, you know, when the ball drops and the new year starts, it's not going to magically make everything disappear and, and you know, we're all going to be good again. Um, but I think having that clean slate and, you know, having 
promising things to look forward to, especially in the sports world. It's going to be much better than this past year. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I'll fully feel fresh and kind of rejuvenated until we hit March, not only because we'll be at March Madness, but we'll start to get to the spring. And I don't know about you, but I've always felt COVID or no COVID, January and February are the worst months of the year because you and I both have December birthdays. Mine, as we record, <laughs> is today on December the 29th. We record on a uh, Tuesday night here, and I know you're, what, New Year's Eve? Correct. Right. So, you know, you got your birthday lumped in with the holidays, and then you come back, and, you know, that Monday uh, next week when everybody's kind of back to normal has always been one of my least favorite days of the year. And, and January and February is just total dog days of winter stuff that I hate. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with you. And again, like you said, you're looking forward to March, right? Because to me, that's the best time of year uh, for sports in general. So just trying to get through that January, February time can be uh, can be tough. So yeah, looking forward to getting to March. So it's going to be a little bit of a rapid fire pod uh, tonight as we're just trying to get one out and give you something to uh, hopefully invest wisely in with your uh, dollars, perhaps uh, some holiday money that you have to splurge. Uh, and hopefully you can turn that into a little bit more by listening to us. Bill, before we get started, I know we like to always, and before we get into the picks, I should say, I know we always kind of like to look at the, um, or discuss some of the latest news in college basketball. And obviously, uh, just a few hours ago, we saw the news surrounding Arizona and the self-imposed postseason ban for this year. Uh, I'm just curious if you took anything from that. Obviously, we saw one with Auburn uh, not too long ago. Uh, what do you make of uh, the latest news there uh, with uh, Sean Miller's team? Um, I wish I had a good word for it. The only word that kind of comes to mind is cowardly because that's what I feel like that is. You know, it's like an easy way out. You know what I mean? Like you're you're going to get these uh, sanctions imposed upon you in, in a normal year and, and take it on the chin, fine. But when you're going to self-impose in a year where, you know, it's everything's kind of been up in the air as far as scheduling and even recruiting, to me it's it's such it's such a cowardly way out to deal with this stuff. And don't get me wrong, I can't stand the NCAA. I think a lot of the violations that they, you know, put out there to, against teams is ridiculous. But, I mean, come on. Same thing like you said with Auburn. It's the same deal. It's a, it's a shortened season for the most part. And to do it now, it's... I don't know. I think it's an easy way out. Yeah, no, I definitely uh, wonder what what, what uh, the landscape would have been looking like as far as these postseason bans and if they would have been happening if there was no COVID and no bubble and, you know, no continual uncertainty around the next few months. Hopefully less of that as we move into 2021. But nonetheless, yeah. yeah. And uh, real quick, sorry, I don't, don't want to yeah, dive no, into this because I know we only got a little bit of time here. But to me – it's so infuriating to see these types of things, these sanctions and these violations that are occurring, and it all affects the kids at the end of the day. Right. Like, like it, it never affects the coaches. And if you want to say, oh, it affects them because, you know, you can and see – And they're the ones that are, the program's in trouble. <laughs> exactly. They're, they're the ones that are, are overseeing everything. And if you're, if you're going to sit there and tell me a Division One top-level, top-five, six-conference coach is not in control of everything with their team, then I have – you know, I, I don't know what to tell you. You have no clue what you're talking about then. The fact that these kids are the ones that are penalized and not the adults, not the coaches who are in charge of all this. And, you know, they might get these violations and they might end up getting fired, but they get rehired somewhere else. Like, we've talked about this before with, like, Bruce Pearl when he was at Tennessee, left Tennessee violations. He well, and now in football, Auburn. Hugh Freeze, you know, yeah. Ole Miss, and now he's tearing up at Liberty and probably going to get a Power 5 job pretty soon. 
Right, and you'll find out about Liberty having issues in the next year or two. It's it's absolutely ridiculous, and to me, the only way to stop it is if you actually black blacklist these coaches and say, hey, if you get these violations and you do this, you're done. Like, forget it. You're not going to be able to coach anyone. No, you're right, because uh, it, it is the whole postseason ban thing is a slap on the wrist as far as the coaches are concerned. And like you said, it really hurts the players more. Right. I, and I'll be honest, I, I think the one that's even worse is the vacating wins because yeah. – you know, speaking of hurting players, like at least with the postseason ban, you can look at it and say, all right, well, while it sucks, you're taking that opportunity away from them. They're not going to play a game, win a game, and then be told that that win yeah. never happened. <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah, I agree. That's wrong as well. But so, let's move on to some yeah, things that actually Let's move on here. <laughs> to things that make us smile a little more, and that's actual college basketball games being played on the hardwood. And hey, Suppose it's the perfect transition because I want to talk about one of these programs that is kind of uh, on the uh, waiting list, I should say, for the NCAA tournament in years down the line because it's the Auburn Tigers uh, who self-imposed a postseason ban earlier this year. And I'm going to give a pick in their game. I'm going to fade the Tigers as short home underdogs and look to play the Arkansas Razorbacks. One and a half, two, it looks like this opening number is at as we record on a Tuesday evening. Again, this is all for the Wednesday, December 30th action. Arkansas and Auburn playing their first games in SEC play. Total of 145 in this one. But I'm going to play the side and look to the short road favorite in Arkansas. Uh, let's start with why I like this from an anti-Auburn standpoint. Yes, they have won five straight straight up. So I do think from that standpoint, maybe uh, you could argue, although Arkansas is undefeated, you could still argue Auburn coming in here, playing well, makes uh, this line a little bit uh, short. Uh, and, and had the Tigers dropped a game recently, you would have been seeing this number tick out a little more. Uh, and, and also... This is the conference opener for the Tigers, as it is for the Razorbacks. I'll get to why I like that in a minute from the Arkansas standpoint. But uh, we talked in the beginning of the season about how Auburn was going to be a team that we weren't going to be looking to back. Postseason ban, a lot of t- roster turnover, and, and, and just it looks like it's a rebuilding year. At least that's what it felt like for the Tigers going into the year. Now, give them credit. They are 6-2. and two. And they've been winning games, and those losses came early in the season against Gonzaga and UCF. Having said that, though, since that UCF loss, uh, I'll give them the the Memphis win was impressive. Although, having said that, the Memphis uh, that's a Memphis team that lost four games non-conference uh, here in the 2020 portion of the schedule. So I'm not sure how impressive that win against Memphis looks as time passes. The Tigers have been a little bit of an underachiever there so far, uh, but you know. The Tigers of Auburn, that is, recently the wins are App State, it's Troy, it's Texas Southern, all in blowout fashion. Uh, I'm still thinking, well, that's a mediocre UCF team that they lost to. the St. Joe's team that's at the bottom of the barrel against in the A-10 that Auburn needed overtime against and did not cover. And obviously, well, like most teams, they got blown out by Gonzaga. So I'm not really buying Auburn, beating up on some bottom feeders uh, down there in the uh, you know south you know, just regional games that they've been playing recently. And then from the Arkansas side, there ain't no straight up and 4-2-1 and one against the spread. One of those games uh, looks like did not have a number posted. Uh, but here they are at 8-0, no, and, and yes, they haven't played anyone. You look at Arkansas' schedule, nothing's going to wow you. But I think from that standpoint, it's probably a lot of Razorbacks here with a chip on their shoulder. Okay, we beat up on all our non-conference opponents. We're 8-0. No. Now it's time to really go make a statement and prove that we're for real in the SEC, in our SEC opener, and we're going to be here all the way into February and March. They are 35th 
Uh, in uh, the Ken Palm rankings, Auburn is 65th, and Arkansas is in the top 50 in both offensive and defensive efficiency. Uh, so that's I just think we're getting the better team here at a short price. As square as that might sound, I think it makes sense. And lastly, Auburn is only 61% from the free throw line, and I realize that Arkansas is just barely in the top 100. They're at about 72%, 73% from the charity stripe, but obviously a big difference to Auburn's 61%. And in a short line, close game, could come down to a free throw here or there. I like Arkansas on the road. I don't know if you have anything to add there. I know that was a bit of a long, bit of a long-winded <laughs> handicap. Yeah, no, I mean, I haven't really looked at it too, too much. <clears throat> you know, listening to you talk about it and then kind of diving in as you were talking, I was pulling some stuff up here. Um, if I was going to lean any way, I would lean with you uh, here on Arkansas. The main thing being that Arkansas is just a better defensive team than Auburn. I think they both are decent offensive teams. Actually, Arkansas, I'm looking at now, offensive efficiency, they're, they're at 46 overall in the country, whereas Auburn is 70th. So there are slight advantages of both sides of the ball for Arkansas here. Um, and I'm not fading Arkansas. I thought I talked about them last week or the week before uh, on their schedule. They're being undefeated. They haven't really played anybody. Um, I know I faded them against our, uh, Abilene Christian, who I believe Abilene Christian covered by the hook. Um, but it was much harder than I thought. I really thought it would be a single-digit game when it came down to it, and they were able to pull away Arkansas. So, yeah, they're playing some good basketball. We talked about Auburn. Both of us are kind of uh, fading them throughout the season. So, yeah, if I'm going to lean either way here, I'd be leaning with you on Arkansas. I'll let you take the reins here as we move along here on full slate. A little bit of a rapid-fire addition here. Uh, let's go to a an, a game in the SEC, or, excuse me, the ACC, where we have the North Carolina Tar Heels traveling to Atlanta as a short favorite of three and a half points. It looks like the opening number is at on Bet Online against the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, total of one forty three and a half. Uh, Bill, you like the Tar Heels on the road? I do. I, they're they're becoming a team that I just seem to back uh, throughout this year. I don't know why. It's not. Typical of me, I'm usually not a North Carolina fan. I've been on the record to say that Roy Williams is one of the most overrated coaches. I feel like he's had so many good teams, and he's not been able to get the job done with in recent years. Um, And we talked just before this started, North Carolina coming off the loss to NC State. I'm assuming that's why this number is a little bit shorter than it probably should be. Um, I got to back Carolina here, and I'm going to say the same thing that I've been saying all throughout the year, their best offense is a missed shot. They are third in the country in offensive rebound percentage, um, whereas you flip the coin here on Georgia Tech, they are 155th as far as clearing the glass on the defensive side. So you put those things together, it it doesn't seem to be a recipe for success when it comes to Georgia Tech here. Um, And then the thing doesn't get talked about that much. You know, we hear about the length, we hear about the offensive rebounding of North Carolina, um, but defensively, they're, they're top 20 in the country in defensive efficiency, um, and that's going to be a big factor in this game. Georgia Tech, they're okay offensively. You know, I did talk about them preseason as being a sort of sleeper team here in the ACC, um, but I just see North Carolina as just being way, way too much for these guys. The only way I could see Georgia Tech as being um, a dog here and covering the number is is really getting backdoored. You know what I mean? Like them them hitting a, a late three that, that seems meaningless that might cost me the number. Um, and honestly, if you're that worried about it, just play the money line on Carolina. But I feel pretty confident here. I think the number's way off. I think Carolina. I would be. I would honestly. I'd be more shocked um, if Carolina covers. I'm sorry, wins by less than double digits. 
Um, that would kind of shock me. I think if they're going to be covering, they're going to win by double digits easy. If anybody saw on Twitter, I posted during the Gonzaga game, um, this last Gonzaga game, I said, if they cover this game, it's going to be by 20 plus. They're, they're not going to be in a close game here and cover that number. I kind of feel the same way here. I feel like Carolina's not going to keep this close. They're going to pull away, um, and win this one pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, I think one thing that stands out here is that, I think just kind of a principle across the board for me uh, is I, I like to try and you want to try and bet on good teams, structured programs, regardless of the sport. When they're coming off of a loss, you expect you know a guy like Roy Williams to get his team recuperated, recovered, and 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 re-energized for that next task at hand. And and I'm looking at North Carolina so far this year. They've lost three games, close game against NC State, close game against Texas, and they lost by Iowa, lost to Iowa by 13 points. So I think the question you have to ask yourself is, well, are these teams that have beaten North Carolina, uh, the, especially in the close games, forget the Iowa game for a second, NC mm-hmm. State and Texas, are, is Georgia Tech on par with them? And so do we expect in another close game the Tar Heels to go down? Uh, and I can't say that confidently. So, you know, they did win a close game against Stanford, as I'm looking more at prior games that Carolina played. But honestly, I'm not even sure Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech is as good as Stanford. We talked about them as a little bit of a Pac-12 right. sleeper. So I'm with you here. This would definitely be the side that I would lean towards. You have to think Carolina coming off of that loss, eight days to sit on it, uh, takes it out on the Yellow Jackets. Right, and, the, and Georgia Tech hasn't played anybody of substance recently. They have wins over Florida A&M and Delaware State. I mean, who, who cares? The last right. the last notable team they played being Florida State, they lost by 13. So, yeah, they have two terrible losses at the beginning of the year. I kind of throw that out the window because that was the beginning of the year. Um, we're getting a little bit deeper now into the conference play. So I, I kind of wash them out. And they beat a Kentucky team, but we've talked about Kentucky. They're not the real Kentucky team that we've seen in years past. Right. So I don't really hold any credence to that. The only decent one they have is against the Nebraska team. Um, who really hasn't been that good this season either. Again, I just think North Carolina is going to be too much in the glass for them, um, and they're going to be putting them away pretty handily. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll each give out one more pick of our own, and then we have a consensus play to wrap things up here on a Wednesday edition of Full Slate. The NBA is back in action, and football is heading into the playoffs. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline. Your online sportsbook experts. 2020 has reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. 
And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria, and you can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore's total visits. So it's clear Indeed can help get you the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is the best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. And we're back here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. Find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at UndercoverGreg. Joined by my main man on the college hardwood, Bill Christie. You know him as Lucha Larry on gambling Twitter. Find his picks at Larry's Locks 2. We're going to keep things moving and each give out a few more picks. We'll end with a consensus play for the Wednesday rotation, December the 30th, as conference play all across the country is underway. Always kind of gets started right around the new year. Uh, And I am going to take us to the Atlantic 10, where I'm going to look at a hefty underdog, the LaSalle Explorers, catching 12.5-13, and I'm going to look to take those points and back LaSalle as the Explorers take on Dayton. And... You know, here's what I'm saying. First off, we're having we have a LaSalle team that looks to starting looks like it is starting to find itself a little. Uh, the Explorers started 0 and 3 both straight up and against the spread, but they are 3 and 2 cents. And I talked about this a little bit with my North Dakota State handicap. By the way, last week on the podcast we were excellent. Uh, so c- certainly hope not to toot our own horn too much because yeah. there certainly are going to be some bad days, but certainly hope you got those picks last week. And one of those picks that I kind of correlate this one to, uh, it t- I took North, North Dakota State getting a lot of points against TCU. And uh, I mentioned how North Dakota State was kind of a team in flux that had a lot of change to the roster and was turning things over. And recently, pr- heading up to that TCU game, had started to play better, started to win a few games, covered some spreads as big underdogs against some big blue blood programs. It kind of made me thinking, well, you know, how are they, are they mentally just starting to find themselves and, and figure a few things out. And and that's kind of what I'm feeling here with LaSalle. Uh, Again, not that uh, the the Explorers really played anybody, you know, this gauntlet of a non-conference schedule. uh, But I think for these teams that are, you know, closer to the bottom of their leagues, when you're betting them, you want to try and find, those straight-up wins that they're coming off of just to kind of launch them into uh, these games where they're big underdogs, making them think they could be competitive a little more. Ashley Howard in his third season at LaSalle, uh, still laying the groundwork. Hopefully, uh, as a big fan of the Big Five, he can start to uh, get some more wins uh, under his belt. But uh, as I mentioned, the recent form for LaSalle looks a little better. uh, And I know they lost the game. But they went to Maryland and covered a big number against the Terrapins in their last game uh, as 16.5-point dogs. They lost by 13. And obviously we've seen what Maryland has done since uh, with a big win earlier this week in Madison against the Wisconsin Badgers. So if they can play with Maryland, I think they can play with Dayton. I don't think this is the same Dayton team, too, as, uh, year, as, as last year. And I know that they're still at the top of the A-10, but... 
Obviously, uh, I don't think I'm really, this isn't exactly hard-hitting analysis to make that point because they had one Obi Toppin in the lineup last year, uh, and he is obviously on the New York Knicks now. So having said that, I think Jalen Crutcher is a good player and, you know, a guy that's probably going to be in the A-10 Conference Player of the Year chatter, but he's not going to be in the NPOI discussions the way Toppin was. So uh, I think from that for that reason, it's a Dayton team that might have to grind out a few more wins and you know, take nothing away from them. They, Anthony Grant there probably turning them into one of the better mid-majors in the country, and this is how you do it, right? You lose a big player, and you still find a way to win games and grind them out, even if it's not as impressive. Dayton did have two games earlier in the season as double-digit chalk, and they did not cover either one. Uh, so I just think that this is probably a Dayton team that – doesn't find the wins as comfortably as they did with Toppin. And you th- just think about the way basketball is played. One guy can take over a game so easily, and especially at the college level when the variance in talent on the floor on any one night can be so wide. You take a Toppin out of the lineup, I think that makes it harder for a team like Dayton to cover these big spreads, which is why it doesn't surprise me that they're 0-2 so far as a double-digit favorite against the spread because you don't have that one guy that can just score 10 points in like three minutes or whatever and, and really open it up. And then all of a sudden, a lay in 15 doesn't look so scary. Uh, you know, so I just think it's probably a Dayton team that grinds out a few more wins, which lends itself to not covering games. Couple that with LaSalle, I think coming into this game a little more confident. I'll take the Explorers plus the big number. Yeah, I like where you're going with this one. Um, you mentioned the, the fact that Dayton had two games where they were double-digit favorites and they were unable to cover the spread. In fact, one was exactly the same number, 12, against Northern uh, Kentucky, where they only won by six. So, yeah, I think the spread's going to be a little bit too much here. I do think Dayton's going to win. They'll probably win pretty easily, but to cover that number is going to be a little bit difficult with a team like LaSalle, who you mentioned is playing decent basketball. They're staying in games with teams they probably wouldn't think they would be staying in. So, yeah, I agree with you on this one. I would lean LaSalle on this one. Bill's going to take us to the Big East, and we're going to go up to Rhode Island where the Butler Bulldogs make the trip east to take on the Providence Friars. Butler is a five-and-a-half-point road dog, total in this game of 137.5. Bill, you like the dog with Butler. I do. I am fading myself here because I've been playing this theory (laughs) beginning of the year with these back-to-back games where teams are playing each other back-to-back. Um and, and taking the opposite team that covered previously. And I cannot tell you how many times I've lost doing that in the last week or so. Um, it, it doesn't make sense to me because you look at the lines and you're thinking, okay, team wins by 10, then they're only fair by four. Okay, I'm going to take the opposite because Vegas is putting a line out there much lower than it should be. Um, and it has not worked. It's backfired consistently on me. So I'm going to flip it here, fade myself. I will be taking the points in this one. Um, I do believe the game is going to be tight. Both of these teams, when you look at them on paper, um, are right there back and forth as far as offensive, defensively. Um, I'm looking at other stuff, their turnover percentage, uh, offensive rebound percentage. Everything is pretty close. Um, so I think it's going to be a close game. Butler, they might be able to pull out a win. Again, I'm not going to be playing any kind of money line on this one, but give me five and a half points, and we'll see what comes of it tomorrow. I'm going to hold off, and hopefully it ticks up to six uh, and grab it at a higher number, but I feel confident even with five, um, they'll cover that spread. And again, it'll be a close game, typical Big East fashion, uh, but again, the biggest thing here is I'm really more so fading myself with that theory that I had early on in the season that has not come to fruition whatsoever. <laughs> no, I mean, you may, listen, you make a good point. Like, it's all about kind of making adjustments and, 
you know, pivoting and, and trying to, you know, improve upon your own handicapping throughout the year. And, uh, you know, if you kind of are ready to move on from something you thought about in the preseason, well, better to make that move uh, now before it's too late and you keep losing on that uh, preseason thought that you had. So, I, you know, not a lot for me here on this game. A, a lot of, um, you know, you would kind of expect a lot of these Big East games to, to go right down to the wire and, and to be close and, and and therefore, you know, getting five and a half normally, uh, you know, would, would seem inviting. Um, you know, and, and so when we look at Butler, they've, you know, lost some games here the last, uh, you know, well, the whole part of the season now, I almost said the last few weeks, but that's really most of the way. Uh, they're two and three straight up, um, you know, but at the same time, uh, you look at who they played, uh, and, you know, the losses were to Villanova and, you know, and, and a, an in-state rivalry game against Indiana, which only lost by eight. So, you know, I, I would say, you know, maybe some concern over that Southern Illinois loss, but they bounced back with that win against Providence, and now you're getting them against that very same team, right, the very next right. game, playing Providence again, and you're getting them as a five-and-a-half-point dog. They won the game by six, so you, you, you need a 12-point reversal to not cash your ticket. Like, that alone makes me like it. Right, and you mentioned Southern Illinois, and that's a team who's 7-1. to That's a team I had that theory on. I ran it against Evansville, backfired. Right. Um, and uh, who's Owen? Uh, Drake, just this last week, you know, they're, they're the them and one other team, I think, are undefeated against the yeah, spread. And I I'm had like, it oh, yesterday. God, here they go against Indiana first. State. Yeah, I'm like, God, Indiana State, the whole, the whole tough. I had them actually money line small, too. And they had the lead at half. Yeah, they had the lead at half. And then they come down the end, you know, they missed a couple of foul shots Drake did. And Indiana State, I know, they missed a layup uh, towards the end. It's that pretty late. Yeah, it was, it was ugly to see. So I'm, I'm off of that. I will no longer be playing that theory. Uh, it's bitten me way too much. But let's move on to the play that we have. It's a consensus play to be yeah. a good matchup. Let's wrap things up. We talked about Carolina and Georgia Tech in the ACC. We're going back to the ACC to close things up here on Full Slate on this Wednesday. You listen, we record on a Tuesday evening. And it's the Virginia Cavaliers making the trip to South Bend to take on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And we're both going to lay the number. We're seeing Virginia as six-point chalk, it looks like, on the opening line. Total of 127. Uh, but I'll start with why I like Virginia and then let Bill get in on any additional thoughts. Uh, first off, you know, I mentioned when Bill took North Carolina how you kind of want to – certain programs, right, if they're established, well-structured, built-up programs, when they lose, particularly the way that North Car- – excuse me, Virginia lost – Last weekend against Gonzaga, you won the best team in the country. Let's let's put that out there. Right, this is the best team in the country, right? So, uh, you know, Gonzaga's been blowing everyone out, Uh, and so I don't want. I mean, just for context, Virginia, uh, you know, a team that we we can still call them the defending national champs. uh, You know, Virginia was a seven and a half point underdog against Gonzaga. You know, so that that should tell you a lot. Having said that, uh, they still lost by 23 points. Virginia, okay, Virginia, I don't care that it was Gonzaga, Virginia gave up 98, okay, that is a team that we always expect to defend well. Okay, so here they are now uh, playing uh, against Notre Dame, and by the way, just another angle, this is a lot less of a reason why I like it, but as I look at it, that game was on Saturday, December 26th, it's a little more recent, uh, you know, 
recent effort or from the recent game to look at there, whereas Notre Dame, like most teams, ha- had a week off, hasn't played since December 23rd. Uh, so maybe something to think about. But also, I-, I just think Tony Bennett and Virginia, that's the kind of team that when they get blown out, like you can expect them to respond. It's not a Virginia – Virginia is not one of those programs where they lo- if they lose by 20, you're not going to be like, oh, my God, season's over here comes a five-game losing streak. Like, this is, this is not who they are. And, you know, for what it's worth, they've alternated win-loss, win-loss, win-loss against the spread. They're 3-3 three and three against the number. And they haven't really played, other than Gonzaga, anybody tough in the non-conference. They did have that loss to San Francisco, but I think this exactly proves my point. They lose to San Francisco back around Thanksgiving on a neutral floor by one. Then they come back, and, yeah, obviously not a big-time opponent by any stretch, but as 23-and-a-half-point chalk against St. Francis, they cover the number. So it's not a team that dwells on its losses. That right there makes me think that Virginia is going to, you know, really be Virginia and, and we're not going to have to worry a lot. And then let's look at Notre Dame. Like they've played a few games at, in the non-conference that have been challenging uh, and really haven't answered the bell. Lost by double digits against Michigan State, which by the way, we've seen Michigan stink. State recently. They right. Stink. Like, Michigan State doesn't look so good. So losing by double digits to Michigan State might not be as, you know, much to gloss over as years past. They lose by five. Granted, they covered against Ohio State. They got the win against Kentucky. But by the way, that second half against Kentucky, now all of a sudden it's yes. looking more and more like bad Notre Dame and, and yep. not good Kentucky. They lose by 10 to Duke in a game that they really were never in. I watched most of that game. And they lose by 10 to Purdue on a neutral floor as four-and-a-half-point underdogs. So in these bigger games – Notre Dame really has not answered the bell, and I'm not really even counting that Kentucky game this year. So couple it all up, I just don't think that uh, – I think it's another game where Notre Dame just looks like it is. The middle-of-the-road team in the, in the ACC, probably not headed to the big dance. I only got to lay six. I'll take the Hoos. Yeah, I'm with you. This game isn't even going to be close. I don't care who wants to put it out there and say that Notre Dame's going to keep it tight. Yes, the line is a bit fishy. I will give you that. However – you mentioned a lot of these games already, but Notre Dame has not looked good at all. You mentioned the Kentucky game where it's not a good Notre Dame team. It's a bad Kentucky team. <clears throat> Excuse me. They just played Bal- Ballermine. I don't even know who the hell that team is. They only they only won by 11, uh, so there wasn't anything special going on in that game. The only way, literally the only way that Notre Dame can hang in this game, and by hanging this game, I mean keeping this game in the 10 to 15 point range, is if they shoot lights out. Now, Grant, they are capable of doing that. They shoot over 40% from three. However, I just don't see Virginia being the team that Notre Dame has a success offensively against. Now, I'm looking at the Ken Palm uh, offensive defensive efficiency numbers like we always do. Right. Um, but, cor- but correct me if I'm wrong. This is updated post the Gonzaga game, Correct. Like, those numbers are factored into what I'm looking at right well, now. Well, it should be. I mean, we're recording three days later, so unless exactly. – Exactly. Unless they update them weekly, but I thought that was like a daily upgrade. I, I believe that is what it is. And the yeah, fact okay, so I'm looking right now. Data is as of uh, games played on December 29th. So Perfect. That so, was the 20th. So you're, you're telling me that Virginia defensively is number 11 in the country in defensive efficiency, right? And that's right. factoring in a game against the number one team in the country that put up almost 90, or did they put up over 90 points against them? So you, you, you extract that game out, which, let's be real, Notre Dame is not Gonzaga. They're nowhere near it. So when you, when you extract that out, they're only better. So to, when, you, when you look at it that way, 
I don't think this game's going to be close whatsoever. I get Virginia. Bill, has even, even if we don't want to just throw out the Gonzaga game entirely, and even if we want to say, okay, maybe Virginia was exposed a little bit there. Okay, yeah, maybe like Iowa or maybe like, you know, right, Wisconsin right. could exploit them, but not Notre Dame. No, again, they would need to shoot absolutely lights out from deep. Otherwise, it's going to be a, a drumming, and that's what I think is going to happen. I think Virginia's going to be pissed off coming into this game after getting knocked around by a team in Gonzaga, who, if any game that they you would think they would get up for more would be a, a game against Gonzaga, number one team in the country. They wanted to show show off what they have as far as national pride, it being on national TV. And, they, you know, look, at Gonzaga is the real deal. We've talked about this for weeks now. They are the real deal. This is probably the best Gonzaga team we've ever seen. Um, so that's no slight against Virginia. Like, their loss to Gonzaga is, is a loss that almost everybody in the country is going to have. Right. Their only other loss came to San Francisco early on in the season where, you know, they really didn't have their grooves going yet. And like you mentioned, they bounced back the following game in, in a big line number and covered that spread. This isn't a big number. It probably should be. Again, I think that they handle these guys easily. It's going to be a 15-some point difference in this game. Virginia should just walk all over them. There we have it. Bill and Greg there with a consensus play on the Virginia Cavaliers as the road chalk against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish in the ACC on Wednesday night to wrap up the podcast. That's going to do it for us here on Full full Slate. Bill, uh, let's look forward to a healthier and, in my case, better 2021. 2020, not the best year for me either as far as my investments were concerned, but always good to have you on the pod. Uh, Hey, enjoy your birthday and Happy New Year to you, buddy. You as well. Take care. There you go. That, as I said, this has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Hope you all can enjoy our podcast. We've been doing well on the College Hardwood. Let's keep it rolling. And, of course, please play responsibly.